0: After every question was asked, the Sheikh was just like, Haram. Haram. No. This one brother got like, he was really upset. He's like, Haram, Haram, Haram. Killish, Haram. Mafi halal. What am I supposed to do?
1: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. I am your host, Amr Mabrud, joined by my co host, Munir. And we have a very special guest for you today from our, if you have not noticed, our new beautiful studio. Um, <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Joe Bradford. Alaykum, um, alhamdulillah, wa-tullah. it's great to have you here, uh, blessing us in uh, California, Southern California. Um, you've been here for about a week. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. blessed to be here mm-hmm. Blessed to have you here uh, The IOK Ilm Intensive, right? So mm-hmm. this is not your first time in California, right? You've been coming here multiple times You've been Omar yes. Farooq, mm-hmm. right? Or not, is it? Yeah, Farooq Masjid, right? And then you've been here a few times So my first question is Why haven't you just permanently
0: moved down to the be- <laughs> To the better state <laughs> To the better state, I don't know Yeah
1: um more halal food options more hiking options i don't know about, know about one, that man. wait uh,
0: not the food one man but not the, the food really? <laughs> everything else yeah
1: the food scene here has been on a it's steady incline it's on the up and up
0: yeah I'll, I'll give you that it's on the up and up but you guys have a huge problem and that is that everything closes at nine o'clock <laughs> that's true i thought that living in like you know that's because of COVID. the bible belt that would be the case for mm-hmm. us in houston <laughs> we can go and get food at 2 a.m you know, here I felt like I was we living fear in fear God way. here. I think that's <laughs> what it is. We don't go out late at night. <laughs> that must be what it is.
1: Alhamdulillah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm out there and uh, out there in Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I like to come out here every every once in a while to rejuvenate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah.
1: That's good. That's good. Um, so. You know, on the Prophetic Mentality podcast, we try to focus on men related topics. Mm -hmm. And I think we've covered so far, we've covered quite a bit. And the only one we haven't really touched on or talked about at all is anything in regards to, you know, finance, budgeting, uh, money planning, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, financial intelligence, that kind of thing. And I think right now, more than ever, it is extremely important for uh, the Muslim men uh, to kind of have a better uh, understanding about that whole topic. Absolutely, Um, not just because if you're trying to get married, you know this is like a big part of your life that you have to handle. But uh, how often it is talked about on the news, uh, fiscal policy, monetary policy—it's all over with the with the you know government spending, what you want to vote for in your locale, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, That all has a, you know that whatever you whatever you know whatever you're voting on can have a extreme extreme impact on your personal life. Like Mm -hmm. for example, like here, you know, everyone we're always voting on, Oh, you know, you want to help, uh, you, this, this bill is going to help this, the schools or whatever, you know, funding for school. And then all of a sudden gas is five bucks and you're like, (laughs) what, why is gas $5? And then you don't realize that you voted yes. And now gas is five bucks. Right. So, um, you know, we, that, that's kind of the discussion, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to have, but first, before we get into that, I kind of want to do a quick background check. Not a background check, but yeah, a background <laughs> check. Def- definitely like that one.
0: I'm very confident talking <laughs> to you guys right now. Hope this is being recorded.
1: <laughs> I meant like a, a a quick dive into. Uh, I told you it's yeah. an informant. I told you this.
0: It's not the long con. We we
1: checked, <laughs> guys. I'm the one from Egypt here. So I'm the one who gets problems. Um, just your your education history mm-hmm. and like why you kind of decided to yeah uh because I don't think you probably went to study Islam to think, you know I'm going to be the sheikh that's known for finance. I don't think that's or maybe it was your trajectory.
0: Mm, so let me give you a story behind that. Okay, So I was studying Islam here in the u s when uh, I had learned, so accepted Islam in nineteen ninety one was in high school. Started learning Arabic, learned how to read and write, speak. So I was reading, writing, speaking before I had gone. Mashallah. And then attending, uh, you know, Duru's and, and and you know, visiting scholars that would come in at that time, you know. And then we would have, you know, this is something like now we're like on YouTube and podcasting and stuff like that. At that time, we had cassette tapes mm-hmm. and we had something called Ilm Online. Mm. And, you know, and that was basically a an at and conference call number that like 15 messages all around the country would pay $100 for people are like scrounging, like, brother, can you contribute to the Ilm Online? You know, we've got to get this going. Like, how much is it? $1,500, $1,500. No, 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 only $100 from our message. I think I can contribute $10. People put together money. And then they would write a list of questions and fax them to a scholar overseas. And then that scholar would get on the international calling, you know, conference call number. And then we would have, you know, you know hook this, like put the speaker next to the phone in the masjid and uh, listen, you know, have somebody translate, you know. Wow. People that understood a, a, you know, Arabic or Urdu or whatever on, on one side, and depending upon the, the, the person being asked, and then somebody translating into English on the other side. Uh, and so one time we did this, um, we did this, a, uh, you know, Ilm online thing in mm-hmm. uh, Houston. It was all about finance questions. And this is about 1990, 1997, 98. And so I remember just, and I actually still know this brother till today. I remember, you know, after every question was asked, the sheikh was just like, haram, <laughs> haram, la'a, haram. <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, no. <clears throat> So this one brother got like like really he was really upset and he, he was like he, he's like haram 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 killish haram What am I supposed to do? I have seven children, I live in an apartment complex. I can't, you know, if I can't I can't rent, I'm actually illegal renting. I can't am I not supposed to buy? What do I do? Where are the solutions? And that really hit me. I mean, that was like transformative to hear. Just I know this guy's just like installs cable for a living or something, you know. And I said to myself, I've always been, I had always been inclined towards like business and entrepreneurship. You know, I was like the guy selling candy out of his backpack in high school, that <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and, and and so I, I, I heard that and I was already into Islamic studies. And I said, you know what, let me find, if Bismillah rahim is the first ayah of the Quran, Rahma is so, is, is, is so, emphasized this doesn't seem very rahim, you know, for everything about finance to Rahmah be not being allowed. mercy. Rahma being compassion. mercy. Yeah. yeah. So where's the compassion? Where's the mercy about about, you know, helping people in their financial lives? And it was that that was kind of the catalyst to say, I want to specialize in this. Okay. Like uh, here's the interest. I went and I went and uh you know talked to some of my teachers and mentors and stuff like that. Is there ah we hear about this thing it's called like song finance, you know? Um, you can go and check it out, and that was that was the trajectory from that time. So, so this was before your overseas. This is so before I went to overseas. Okay. went overseas. Oh, okay. yeah. So when I went overseas, now it was like, "Hey, I want to specialize in this." Okay. Hey, I I have questions about this. And, and you studied in school. Of I Medina. studied in uh, in Medina. Okay. Uh, so I was in uh, the Faculty of Sharia. Okay. Uh, it's actually called the Faculty of Sharia and Islamic Studies. Yes. And um. And then uh, I went from there to the master's program in fiqh. And um, I did my, my master's in qada which is the adjudication or the law of the courts, mm-hmm. how a judge decides things. Um, and, the ho- and, and, and all the while, I was sitting with specialists and keeping in contact with them and asking these questions. It was interesting because some of my teachers and mentors that were over there, and you know, I used to shadow this one judge in the Medina courthouse. And he would be like, yeah, I'll just leave this. Yeah. You know, don't worry about this. You just want to do one thing. You just want to do one thing. Finance. You know, just study fiqh in general. You know, don't don't worry about just doing this one thing. And then other teachers are like, well, you can't know Islamic finance unless you've studied all of fiqh. Hmm. So continue, you know, studying fiqh outside the university, inside mm-hmm. the university, and specialize in this area because we just have a dearth of people here. And we've got lots of qualified people. So, what about where you're from? There's going to be even less people. No. So, please specialize in this. Um, and so, I kind of took that to heart and kind of made that my thing. You know, um, so i i was I, I was doing specialized courses up until you know the masters. The masters, my thesis was was on adjudication, mm-hmm. um, and it was great because it really rounded me out as far as like applicable filk. You mm-hmm. know, it was, just wasn't the theory. Uh, and then I was picked up by an international Islamic bank to work for them. While, Which one is that? Uh, al Rajhi Bank. Okay. So they're in Saudi, Jordan, Malaysia, Turkey. I'm sorry, Saudi, Jordan, Malaysia, Kuwait, and I think Indonesia as well, and then a few of the other Gulf states. Um, so I was hired as the senior Sharia advisor, and I worked on um, corporate finance, syndicated finance, I did a few M&A <coughs> deals, I did a few mutual fund structurings, I did a few retail products with credit cards and things like that. Um, and uh, essentially under the tutelage of a board of scholars that reviewed everything for the bank. Sheikh Abdullah ibn Aqeel rahimahullah, who was like in his, he was like 103 at that time. Look uh and, and still like mind was, uh, uh, was fresh at that time. Sheikh Abdul bin Khineen, who was a former chief justice from the courts who had, who was that and a number of other scholars. So these are, these are big hitters. These yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. They're
1: not, we're not talking, you know, your local guy. These are big, big guys. Yeah.
0: Here. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So I, I benefited immensely. So I would have to write research papers, present it to them. They would, they would, you know, uh, check my work, you know, tell me where I went wrong. And then I would draft the resolutions for them. You know, they would edit them and then tell me here, you know, edit this and then we'll sign off on it. So it was a whole process, right? Um and then and then after that, after working there, I came back to the states. I came back to the states in about the end of 2012, uh middle of 2012. And then I noticed that, hey, I've got all this experience and people are asking me about finance, but my experience is is institutional. It's corporate. It's it's not necessarily personal. Yeah. The 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 principles are there, but like how do you understand what people are asking you about. So I went to Rice University and I did the certified financial planner course, which is about a year uh, intensive about, you know, everything that someone needs to know for, for personal financial planning, Mm -hmm. tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, all of that. Uh, So I did that course and then have basically been kind of, you know, working in that field ever since. I still do business work and corporate work, um, but it's not as much. I get a lot of questions. A lot of people just really want to be, you know, they just want to ask somebody that they feel is independent and that they can trust. Like I'm not selling anything to anyone. I'm not trying to like, Oh, invest in my fund. And then yeah. I'll take a percentage. Gotcha. You know, I'm fee-based, um, advice only. And you know, that, that's kind of like where I've ended up with it. So yeah, I mean, I, I think some, sometimes it would be interest or it, Sometimes you'd think like, Yeah, how do you end up from like to finance? But the finance was always there in the background. Yeah. Because I saw this need in the community and uh <coughs> and so huh, I still see that brother until today. Still see him at a mashaallah He's still like, you know. Hustling, selling like, you know, fried chicken and biryani packages out of the back of his car and stuff like that to make extra money on Juan, you know? Beautiful guy. Does my he family. live in a house now or is he still in the apartment? He does live in a house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he does
2: live in a house. <laughs> That's what came through. For <laughs> it's beautiful. So you have this education, and for the sake of our audience, there's a lot of ways you could talk about this uh, topic altogether, but. A lot of people. Let's start from college age. Mm -hmm. Someone's in college, and the biggest thing people ask obviously is like loans. I can't afford college. Right. I want to go to a four year university. Can I go to the private university and just pull out a loan? Do I have to go to my public? Should I go community? Is it like forced on me? Obligatory community than the public university right
0: Do i have options or is it one-way track if i'm poor
1: or continuing education yeah and we can get to that one too
0: yeah yeah so i think i think one important thing to 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 note before we talk about any kind of question is that people's circumstances were all will always differ yes one of the things that we get i think a little bit too heavy into in the community is thinking that there's going to be a black and white answer for everything so Well, the sheikh said this for my friend, and so I'll just take that and apply it to my life. Of course. Your life might be completely different. Yeah. You know, I remember a few, few years on the education question. There are a few brothers that were saying, you know, why are you going to let your kids go and, 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 and study and take out loans? You know, parents should just, you know, more, you know, they should just refi their home and pull out cash or sell their home and put their kids to, you know, through college. And I remember a a good friend of mine who's also CPA, also a convert. He was like, does this guy realize that like not all of us have family members that own homes and can (laughs) sell them on a whim to be able to put us through college? Um, Exactly. So we shouldn't we shouldn't tackle these things as being kind of um, that's what I'm looking for.
1: Like it's not, you're not, it's not a, it's binary. Not a universal, it's, like yes or no. it's not a binary. Yeah. Binary yeah. is not universal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this of is course. why you
0: guys are engineers. This is why we, we've got we've exactly why. <laughs> 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 Told you extend to my expertise right here. So, so, you Zero know, zeros and ones the binary. what I, what I always encourage people to do that are going into college is number one, evaluate your options. No, a lot of, a lot of people that are young think that they're, they, they're very restricted in their options. I've got to go to this private university because if I don't, that I'm not going to get X, Y, Z, you know, prestige or whatever it may be. I would say if you're, you know, if you if you have amazing academic standing and you can only get a certain level of specialization at a private university, yeah, that, that you know there might be some leeway in in, in talking about what the options are. Like for if you, you want to
1: be a doctor, you can only get it through med school. For example. yeah, exactly. You, you can't you, you know. can't go anywhere else. Yeah. you
0: can't go anywhere else. But be- before you get to that point. You can do community colleges. You can, you know, apply for scholarships and grants. You should be trying your most to actually uh, uh, minimize the amount of debt that you're going to be taking on. Whether you're going to go through student loans, whether you're going to be taking it from family, yeah. you know, um, yeah. try your best to keep the expenses. You know, but basically work, you know, work smart, not hard. Of course, um, I think that's the the very the the, the most important point. Now, this question about student loans, I had asked asked actually a number of my teachers when okay. I was st- studying overseas s- from Morocco all the way to India. And I, I, I purposely went and asked a number of them from different areas of the Muslim world. <coughs> so you went
1: Maliki, Shafi. Yeah. So you, got that, the opinion. you got the Hanafi yeah, opinion. Yeah, the Hanbali. Okay,
0: mashallah. Found a guy, I thought he was Lahiri. I was just... Oh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they're even over, they're, I
1: don't know if anyone's around anymore. <laughs>
0: Trying trying to get like the full gambit of of, of opinions. The
1: hidden fifth school, and
0: they, yeah, <laughs> and they and they all they all pretty much uh, they all pretty much agreed. They said that you know if there are no other options for a person to fund their education, and they cannot complete their education except by going and getting a student loan, then it's permissible for them to get a student loan up to. Right, their, their need. Mm. They, you mm. know, they shouldn't be trying to take out more, overextend themselves, as in any kind of case of little or necessity, um, but. The yeah, because
1: people do that, they'll take out extra loans, and all of a sudden they're going on trips, they're getting the fanciest laptop, and then they're living in a, a nicer apartment when mm-hmm. they could have taken, le- you know what I mean? That's right. what you're kind of yeah, referring to. Yeah, that's what to, right? I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you don't want, you know, you don't want to live a lifestyle on borrowed money because eventually that's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that people realize, you know, when you have when you don't have student loans, your life in your 20s will be drastically different than all of your peers. When you have student loans, you're going to be paying those student loans off well into your 30s and 40s, and some people even 50s, depending upon the loans that they have, yeah, depending upon the interest rates that are charged on them, depending upon the amount of deferrals that they took, and so, uh, you know, always minimizing the amount of debt and the amount of loans that you take is, is is important. So these scholars said basically, you live in the United States, there are there are no like Islamic alternatives for you for student loans. Um, if you've if you've exhausted all of your ways to pay for a school and you don't have another way, the hadith of the Prophet oh, is salam. narrated in, in Sunan al al-Qutni that the Prophet salam salam, said, "Islamu yalu, yu'ala." Islam succeeds and it has not succeeded. If Muslims don't have education, if they don't have uh, places, re, re, respected places in society, respected positions in society, mm-hmm. there will always be a thumb on them. There will always be uh, subjugated or subject to somebody else's will. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing that we want. Um, and that doesn't mean that everyone has to be college educated, but everyone has to seek a level of dignity for themselves and what they're doing. Um, and if that means that, Hey, I can't finish med school unless I take out a loan, then I take out a loan and I, and, and I pay that loan off as quickly as possible. Now I work with a number of physicians that take out loans And I can tell you that there's generally kind of two in the Muslim community. I've found two, two approaches to this. Okay. One approach is like, man, I'm so far in debt. I just, you know, I just treat it like a monthly payment and I don't even bother. Right. And the problem with that is that the more debt that you take on, the more debt you have to take on to keep that lifestyle. So Mm. right out of you're
1: limiting your cash flow.
0: Exactly. Right out of the gate from med school. You know, you're you, you you finally got a salary. You're you, you're you're living the doctor life. You upgrade the car, the house, probably the wife. Probably, Not yeah, You're you know. a
1: resident, but you get a few more years, and then you.
0: Yeah, yeah, but so, and and then you've got other people who, who say, you know what, I'm going to continue my lifestyle as a medical student, well through residency and and thereafter until I have absolutely no debt then I'll treat myself Mm -hmm. and they're able to actually get rid of that debt a lot faster because depending upon the type of student loan that you have, your interest might be calculated uh, weekly, maybe even daily, which means that you will on the day
1: on the day you took it out six years ago.
0: So you will not get out of that debt because essentially you have this avalanche of interest that's following you. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll take, well, I shouldn't say you won't, but it'll take so much longer. Um, yeah. So, you know, minimizing the amount that you do. And also a lot of this is not, it's less about having the loan than it is the lifestyle that you choose to live. Okay. You know, am I going to go and upgrade the car, upgrade the house, you know? Uh,
2: so someone might ask, is there, so not, hold on, let's not talk about that, but like just how about the blessings in that? Is there a difference? Like, all right, there's two different ways to the end. They're both going to get out of debt one in five years, one in 20 years, out of debt, out of debt. Right. What's the, what's the difference?
0: I mean, there's definitely the there's definitely a, an, an issue uh, with uh, the barakah that you'll see in your life. You know, the Prophet ﷺ yes. used to uh, seek refuge from de- from debt every morning and every evening. Allah, min al wal maghram Allah seek refuge in you from from sinfulness and from indebtedness. I seek refuge in you from subjugation by man and the overpowering nature of debt and so you know people don't realize that there's a psychological connection that you will have and that's that psychological connection that you have to having an impending bill means that you just have that less amount you know that 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 less how can i even say i can't even speak english right now um <laughs> you'll you'll have that mental that, clarity that much less it's, it's, you know. yeah mental i think i need like a little bit more coffee
1: Sheikh, we got like four more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you'll have that much more uh, or that much less freedom in your life because you're looking, uh, you're always worried about, you know, an impending payment. You're always worried about it. And if you don't, and and the the thing is, is if you worry about it, great. But if you don't worry about it, that's even worse because then everything just continues to snowball. Mm. I mean, I know a lot of people that'll just, you know, they'll, They'll put everything on their credit card, they'll pay the minimum minimum on the credit card, and they think that they're fine. And in reality, that just you're makes it even
1: worse. 20% interest. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you're yeah, you're paying 20% interest with your credit card that's paying, you know, all of your other bills that are probably snowballing as well and have rates on them. And it's just see, this this huge avalanche until you get to the point where. It's unsustainable. And you want to start doing things for yourself and you can't. And I I actually know in the Muslim community, there's a very deep sense of of uh, duty towards one's parents and one's siblings and family in general. Mm -hmm. And so I have actually seen cases where not only are people struggling because of their own financial misgivings as far as taking on debt and interest but they're also assuming the debt and the interest of their parents and their siblings as an idea of 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 duty towards them having mental breakdowns and 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 literally like okay i need to i need to budget and get out of debt but can you refer me to a therapist because i can't handle this they feel like they feel like i'm doing i'm sitting on both sides i'm not taking care of my family and i'm also taking on interest yeah i'm also Mm -hmm. involved in reba. so wow Oh.
1: that's a psychological component that I, th- I don't think we even thought about getting <laughs> into. And I honestly didn't even um, consider never yeah. even across my mind that, uh, that, that that this is what people are dealing with. Um, so
2: I have another question. Same demographic, we'll say. And th- this won't apply to everyone either. But some people because it's hard to get a credit card when you're in college because you have no history of anything. But some people can get it through their parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Picking off, uh Picking it back off them. And so for the longest time, I never had a credit card, but that was also because I had a big misconception about what they are, what, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, Oh, it sounds like there's interest in this. I don't want to deal with this, whatever right. else. But if someone can get a, you know, the smallest credit card they can and use it responsibly, is that something you encourage in college or it's like, eh, just spend, spend your means. If you have a debit card, you can only spend your means. Right? right. So is there any difference in that?
0: So the, there's, there are a few things that go into that. Number one is debt versus deficit spending you always want to be deficit spending, meaning that you want to be spending based upon the cash flow that you have. You're spending to your means. You're not spending more than you have uh, available. What the credit card allows you to do is actually prepay some of your expenses as your money's coming into your account. And Mm -hmm. then you just pay down the card. With the debit card, you're only limited to whatever's in your your account. account. Mm -hmm. Now that can cause issues sometimes when you need to pay a bill um, and you're not going to get money until 10 days later. I've had you know, that. You're gonna, yeah. You're <laughs> going to have to, you know, negotiate. Insufficient
2: funds. Like, uh, I'll just yeah. call the bank and tell <laughs> That was one off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. Um, uh, you know, another thing is, um, so it's a deficit versus debt spending. Another thing is, is that with certain types of purchases and rentals, you're going to get a certain level of, uh, of warranty uh, and guaranteed by the credit card company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you rent a car and you use a Visa, then Visa actually gives you rental insurance on top of that, because they want to make sure that the payments are protected through their, you know, their network. Um, now, Islamically, right? A lot of people say, "Well, am I using? If I'm using a credit card, am I doing something haram?" The extension of credit in and of itself is not impermissible Islamically. The Prophet saw took out debt. He borrowed from others. He paid them back. Where does it, where does it fall awry? Right. It's when you don't pay back, and then those amounts are rolled over, and then the issuing bank, not Visa, right? So not Visa. Let's say you have an
1: Capital One Chase. Let's
0: say you have like an Amazon Chase Visa card.
1: I literally, that's (laughs) that's the one. So those are
0: those are that's actually three relationships that you have with a credit card. So you have, an, uh, you have a relationship with Amazon, right? You're getting the points and all of that. You have a relationship with Visa, which provides the network for the, the fund transfer and things mm-hmm. like that. And then you have a relationship with Chase, which is the, what's called the issuing bank. Yes. The idea of paying interest only comes when the issuing bank gets involved after you didn't pay back Amazon, you didn't pay back over Visa, and now these amounts were like rolled over from mm. you know July to August, That's where it gets that that's where the interest gets charged. Before that, it's really just oh, hey, we're gonna front you until you pay us back and you'll use our 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 payment network. So does the presence of that condition that you would pay the issuing bank interest, does that invalidate the contract? This is a classical issue in Islamic law. Um, does you know is there severability in contracts? Meaning that if I have an entire contract and one stipulation one one line in there is actually not allowed does that invalidate the entire contract or just that stipulation Mm -hmm. and perhaps the stronger of the two opinions is that it does not invalidate the contract that the contract is permissible um and that the it it moves forward as is and this is based on the hadith of uh of aisha radiallahu anha when she freed a slave woman named barira and uh bariros family said well you can free her but you, we want you to give us her wala uh, or her allegiance and and this was a this was a uh, an early system of kind of like social support mm-hmm. so when a person was was emancipated then they would basically they would take the name of the family that that freed them or they would take the tribal affiliation of the people that freed them uh, and they would inherit from them and, and, and inherit to them, right? So they kind of became part of the family. So they weren't this like sore thumb sticking out in society. There was a part of the framework that was supporting them. So the family said, well, you can free her, Aisha, but we get, mm-hmm. we get. He, she attaches to our support system. Aisha's like, no, if I'm freeing somebody, they're going to attach to my support system. She goes to the Prophet ﷺ <laughs> and tells him about what they're saying, and he says to her, Go and free her and give them the condition that they're asking for. Because every condition that is not in accordance with God's laws is false, even if it's a hundred conditions. And then he went out and he gave a khutbah, and he chastised people for making those types of conditions. Um, so the idea here is that he allowed that contract to move forward, even though it had an improper or an invalid condition. Mm. So your credit card, uh, going back to your original question, should you be getting a credit card? Uh, I say yes. And if you are in uh, high school or college, the best way to do this is if, well, you know, this depends if your parents are responsible, yes. you know, that's a, that's a big part of it. But if your parents have credit or you have a trusted uh, sibling or a friend that has credit, then what you should do is have them add you to their credit card as an authorized user. A credit card will be issued in your name and sent to them. Mm-hmm. And then they can use that. Now what I, I, I really advocate college kids do is get that authorized user credit card and then start to pay for your bills with that card. Now, sometimes it's better to actually leave it in the hands of your parents. Like if your parents are helping pay for your books and tuition and stuff, or maybe there's a bill in the house that they can pay with it the money's going to come from their account inevitably if you don't pay it so just leave it with them so you're not tempted to go and charge things up and that's going to do two things that's going to number one build you a credit history but number two it's going to build you a credit history based on your parents credit history so if your parents have a credit history of 10 15 years you're automatically tacking on to that 10 15 mm-hmm. years so if you're an authorized user for them for a year uh, then a year and a year or a year and six months, then you basically get like the whole credit history of your parents. So instead of starting out, you know, at after college with a credit score of like 400 or something or 300, you're probably going to be like at 600, 700.
1: And then you can get that 0% interest car loan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not, so I'm not a big fan of the, of the, of the credit system. I think that, I think the way that, that the, the credit is calculated um, is actually calculated in a way that disenfranchises many people that have the ability to pay. Um, it is very, it can be very subjective, Mm -hmm. um, because people say, no, 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 it's completely objective. Uh, you know, it's based on consumer spending. It's based on utilities. It's based on, you know, utilization rate. Well, you know, if, if you can't, if you can't become a homeowner and you can't rent in certain areas, then your utilities are, are going to be meaningless. So your, your score automatically goes down. If you don't have access to consumer credit, you can't get access, access to consumer credit, so it goes down. So I'm not saying that this is a perfect system mm-hmm. or that it's one that's, you know, and I think that's important to clarify for the listeners. It's, it's very much a function of, do I want to have access to certain things later in life? And that will make it easier for me and will take some of the liability off of me. It's like if you, you know, if you go and rent a car with a debit card, first time you get into an accident or anything like that, they're just gonna pull that money from your account. You're not gonna see that until you know it, 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 it clears and they decided that, oh, you weren't at fault, and then they might pay you back minus the fees that it took them to go and transfer all of that with a credit card. You're—they're not going to be able to do that because you have a very strong party advocating on your side, you know, for to to, to warranty whatever you're doing.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably the biggest advantage I found yeah. out was having a credit card. Is just when big things happen like that, or like for example, I had to travel to interview for a job and like, oh, you pay the plane ticket and all that. I was, I was in Bayon in Texas, so I flew to SoCal. Like, oh, you pay for that and rental, but then we'll we'll just pay you back. It's like, all right, fine, I did that. And it took him like two months to pay me back. And I was like, you guys need to pay me back now. I have rent. <laughs> like, it's going down. <laughs> yeah, if it was a credit card though, I wouldn't have had that stress. It's like, right. such a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it's just the stress levels. As long as you, I mean, you have to be responsible
0: know yourself, right? So but. anybody that takes a credit card has to keep a couple of things in mind. Number one is de- deficit spending. Do not spend more than you have in your account or that you're making on a month. Uh, number two is understand the difference between fixed expenses and variable expenses. Uh, and then number three.
1: Wait, let's. So, what's an f- example of a fixed expense?
0: A fixed expense is something that you. So that it's defined in a couple different ways. Yeah. Some people say, "Oh, a fixed expense is something where the amount is the same every month." Uh, uh, other, like a
1: phone bill.
0: No, no, no. The amount is the same. So I, I have a bill of one hundred and fifty dollars every month. That's fixed. I have a bill uh, for another another company that might be 75 one month might be 175 yeah, electric one, bills one month. change yeah right i i look at it differently i don't think the mon, the 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 money the monetary amount is important what's important is if i don't pay this bill will like my life fall apart that's a fixed expense yeah so yeah my light bill my electricity bill might go from you know 175 in the winter in texas to 300 in the summer in texas i'm saying in texas because in california you guys are looking at me like 175 <laughs> <laughs> <175's laughs> <It's like>, is <laughs> like the peak of the peak here
1: <laughs> could be like 600 bucks during the summer
0: 600 bucks here during the summer for electricity where if you, you, you have the ac on of,
2: and if you're like in the central valley
0: and you're running the ac all day yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. then it'd be like houston texas okay yeah. then it'd be like houston yeah. texas sorry central valley people <laughs> um so so yeah so if you know it, it, i have to pay that bill regardless yes right um but I don't. I don't necessarily have to have the same amount of groceries every month. I mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to have, you know, my waste management. I don't know if you guys have to pay for yeah. waste yeah. management. My waste management might be paid every three months yes. instead of every month. You know, something like that. So fixed is going to be where if I don't pay it, my life falls apart. Variable is going to be those things that fluctuate and, and are above and beyond my basic necessities. Now, the importance of understanding the difference between those two things is. If I'm saving and I say, I know that my fixed costs are $2,500 a month, but my total spend every month is 4000 then I can, I, I, you know, I can, I can basically cut back by $1,000 and $1,500 every month, if, a ne- if necessary, go back to like the basics, you know, and, mm-hmm. and peanut and, butter
1: sandwiches. And yeah.
0: That. And rough it for a while because of, you know, some type of need, you know. Um, so yeah, with the credit cards, you know, don't spend more than you have spend, according to your means, um, you know, and
2: budget, it sounds like people probably don't consider that.
0: Yeah. They don't, they think that they think that their credit card is like a budgeting service. So I I pay with my credit card and I pay the minimum. If you pay the minimum, which might be like $25, or
1: $50, you could have like a $4,000 balance and it's a $30 payment. And then you think, Oh, I'm good for the month. And it's, uh, yeah.
0: And you start looking at the interest charges and how they roll over and you'll be paying that for like. Forever, You know, and depending upon the time that goes by the interest rate, you know, gets gets even bigger. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thank you. So that's probably the first step. So we have a credit card. We've graduated college. We're paying off loans or hopefully not in debt. Probably the, the uh, minorities like that. But you're paying off those loans. And i'm at my first job and they're sitting like hey congrats you know you're just so happy to have your first job they start putting paperwork in front of you signing off on all these weird things health health insurance dental and all of a sudden like 401k and you're like i don't know what this is right do you want it or not six percent of your paycheck will match it by two percent invests over so many many people you're like uh no yes i don't know <laughs> how much is coming out of my paycheck what does that mean so what uh, you go into a typical corporate american job they're going to say we have these type of accounts mm-hmm. retirement accounts what is what's the deal with these things
0: okay so 401ks are something that are generally included in what they call the defined benefits program and a defined benefits program means that your employer is going to define for you the types of benefits or things that they're going to give you in addition to your salary now sometimes they pay for those in total and sometimes they Uh, they contribute to them along with you. And sometimes they just provide you a program to contribute to Mm -hmm. Uh, depending upon where you work. That can be different. That can be a pension where the company pays for everything. That can be a 401k where the company is going to contribute money into an account and you're going to contribute money into account. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to be invested. And if you stay with the company for a certain amount of time, what they call a vesting period, which is usually one to three years, after that one to three years, even if you leave the job, you get to take that money with you. Yeah. So the money
2: the company invested. The money the
0: company invested. You would always keep yours. Always keep yours, yeah. yeah. So if you're putting in $100 a month, they're putting in $100 a $100 a, a month. You know, By the end of the year, you've got $2,400, right? So if you walk away uh, before the end of the year, and let's say your vesting period is of uh, uh, three years well you haven't met the minimum amount of time you're hired so you can only take 1200 because it's yours yeah the other 1200 is theirs mm-hmm. but if you stay for the vesting period then you, know, you take you. all yeah. of it now during that time they're going to take that money and they're going to who's they uh the company so the company is going to hire a fund manager and that fund manager is usually going to be you know some large investment company like BlackRock or Vanguard, or they might have um, they might have smaller fund managers as well. It really depends on who they, okay. you know, the size of the company and who they're involved with, and that fund manager is then going to take your money that's deducted from your paycheck every month, and they're going to put it into uh, investments. And depending upon the company you work for, the fund manager and the options that they allow. They might force you into an investment that is not the best for you I uh, financially or Islamically. Mm-hmm. Um, they might give you complete complete freedom to decide where you want to invest that in something that nowadays is, is more and more being called a personal choice account, um, also called a self-directed mm-hmm. account um, or a brokerage link account. All three of those names are, are, are similar. So you basically would... Uh, you take the money. The money is then um, put into investments that you choose, instead of the fund manager okay. choosing them. So when you're, you know, the, the important one thing that's very important for people that are starting out in their careers to understand is, if you don't take the money from the 401k, you're, you know, like if, let's say for example the the match is like five percent of your income for the year, you know. Pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, which means that if you contribute five percent of your of your income, they're going to put in another five percent. What's the average salary out here? Uh, hundred k first Orange County probably. Okay. So five percent of a hundred k is what? Five
1: five thousand dollars.
0: Five thousand. So you're actually walking away with ten thousand dollars a year. A year. Um. And it, then that I don't want to say you did nothing for, but it was it's pretty much free money, right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of people that say you know. I don't know if 401K is, is halal or haram, I'm just not going to touch it, mm-hmm. right? They will generally give you, after you sign on to a company, they're generally going to give you a bit of time to make the decision. One thing you have to be very, very, and, and again, this goes back to like the psychological issues. In the financial world, there's always pressure to sign. There's always pressure to close. Just sign this, don't worry about it, just sign it, you can change it later, don't worry about it. There's an enrollment period Mm -hmm. but you can always sign, you can always complete the signatures before the very last day of the enrollment period. So never feel pressure to go and sign something that you don't understand. You know, take the paperwork, read through it, sit with HR, get in touch with the fund manager and say, Hey, explain this to me. Are there any company trainings on this? How do I know what it is? The the, The basic thing is, is that it's an investment account that is tax advantaged, for you it was created by congress they tell companies hey if you help your employees save for retirement we're going to give you tax breaks that's why the companies may do the match Mm -hmm. if you help them save for retirement we're going to give you tax breaks we're going to allow them to put it into the account before they pay taxes on the money and they'll only withdraw it when later in life when they're they're um 55 and a half 59 and a half something like that right 59 and a half. Hmm. Yeah. I believe, I believe f- f- different count, Different accounts have different um, uh, withdrawal ages. Yeah. Um, but what if, for example, you know that, Oh, this company, the, the,
1: they're putting all this, you're, they're putting your 401k and bonds, government issued bonds. They're putting them in, you know, you, 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 you see have the control, stock portfolio just, yeah, and control. it's uh, and and everything, so we'll- everything on the BDS list, you know, like what? <laughs> <laughs> and you have no control really. But and this is this is your retirement plan and that's a real thing so yeah yeah
0: so you have to look at number one generally they're not going to force you into just one fund okay they're gonna say okay here's a selection we we prefer this one we prefer this target date you know 2065 mm-hmm. fund for you well why do they prefer that because they have they have a lot of control over what goes into that fund it starts out heavy in equities it moves with bonds and then it moves towards fixed income and bonds at the end so apparently it's more stable at the end of the uh, of your life um but they also get better fees from pushing you into those right Mm -hmm. so what you have to do is you have to be insistent and say look i'm not going to invest in things that go against my values as a muslim uh, I want to you know you don't have to wear it on your on your shoulder on your sleeve and and and, and say that to them and say look I don't like any of these investment options I want to invest the money myself or I want to have somebody invest for invest it for me how do I do that and uh, they can give you that option they can give you that option I have found many times that HR reps don't know that, that option's there, so you have to press them for it. And even the customer service people from funds f- fund managers are kind of hesitant to do that because they know that they're probably going to make less on fees. Or they'll tell you, well, if you do that, there's an associated fee. Do you really want to pay fees? And then it comes out, it's like $25 a year or $50. A year. I've never seen it more than $75 a year. Which is nothing, T- yeah. thousands of dollars. Exactly, to have you know to have your own selection of, yeah. of, of funds. So yeah, I mean when you you know uh, if if you are looking if you're a young Muslim man and you want to because this is the prophetic mentality, right? You know you that. Sure. So if you want to, you know, if you want to be saving up for a family, if you want to own a home later in life, if you want to put money away for medical, education, then have, you know taking that uh, 401k match and using it is very important. Now, if your company gives you a 401k and doesn't give you a match, Don't invest.
1: It's pointless. You can go get your own, you can go to Wahid, get your own fund. Exactly. You can go
0: to Wahid, you can go to Sharia Portfolio. You can just open up a Fidelity account and invest in amount of mutual funds and make more than putting it in the 401k.
1: The Uh, one thing is though, the one disadvantage to that I would say is that your money doesn't come out pre-tax.
0: If you do a traditional IRA, it'll come out pre-tax.
1: You can do a traditional IRA by yourself without your company's involvement and that's the money right. can come up.
0: That's right. Oh. Independent retirement accounts. So the Roth IRA would be post-tax. Okay. But the traditional would be pre-tax. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so there, there are, there are options out there. I think though that it's, it's, I see a lot of people kind of leaving money on the table because they don't explore the options and then they say, well, you know, uh, my, my, my company doesn't give me personal choice options. I can invest it on my own. Or I have to have you know all of it or a portion of it you know in things which I find objectionable. What do I do at that yeah a, at that juncture? And that question can only be answered after kind of looking at what the fund options are and yeah. developing a personalized strategy for that person. Mm-hmm. So there, for example, their company might um, they might say, yeah, you can invest on your own you know, your own choice, 90% of your portfolio, but we, we, we're we going to mandate that you still keep 10% of it with us and our we have a mixed equities, fixed yeah. income, you know, portfolio. Okay, what do you do about that 10%? How is it characterized, you know, ethically, Islamically mm-hmm. as versus the 90%? And there's ways that that can be dealt with at that time. But it, it is very much a, you know, an individual mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And I just want to stress that for everyone listening, you you really do, if you're not already taking advantage of these accounts uh, in your workplace or you're not doing something by yourself, you need to because, um, you know, a lot of our parents that when we came overseas to work here, a lot of them ended up working for the government, right? They're government employees. And as a government employee, I'm a government employee, right? You don't necessarily really have to worry about this because you're automatically part of a pension mm-hmm. plan, right? You're not... You're they're like, this is the plan you get when you sign up, and at 55, you get 80% of your salary if you right. retire, that kind of thing. But since many of us now are in the private corporate world, you know, you are not many people my age are in the government. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's not many pension plans That's right. anymore. It's mainly these 401k yes. IRA retirement accounts. So okay. if you are not savvy in that regard, it will bite you yeah it's it's,
0: if you're in the medical field four or three b 457 yeah a those are the same basically treated the same way as a and even a. if
1: you're a doctor you think i'm gonna have a buttload of money later no if you're not managing your money well now you could end up you know uh broke down the line so most doctors
0: um, make about six million dollars average in the united states over their life over their life okay um and i think uh the majority of them only end up with a quarter of a million dollars at retirement. Yeah. See, wow. that's, that's because of interest, debt, lifestyle choices. I'll wow. Protect us.
2: So I have uh, another work-related one. So this one came up, but also during my kind of uh, onboardings, stock option plans, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You come into a job and they say, "Okay, our company is publicly traded. We have a stock, mm-hmm. whatever that is." <laughs> and we would like. To, and if you buy our stock every quarter, we put your money in this thing. We just take a little bit from your check, mm-hmm. and we'll buy. You can buy our stock at fifteen percent off. Mm-hmm. And then if you wait a vesting period, one, two, three, whatever years, then you can cash it out for the new higher price because the company you invested in the company, it's going to go up. It's everything's great, right? So you should be making fifteen percent minimum or more. So one, a lot of people, say, first of all, like what are stocks and like are, I hear hear these are haram and it's like. It's all risk-based, right? We don't like to do risk in Islam or whatever else. So mm-hmm. what can you tell us about that?
0: So risk is inherent to any business. Uh, risk is not something which is halal or haram. It just is. A man came to the Prophet ﷺ oh, and he said, ya Allah, inna al-as'ara lana. He said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, the prices have gone up in Medina. So set prices for us. So the Prophet salam, he said, uh, He said, al said, he said, Allah is the one who sets prices. He is Al the one who grasps and the one and, and the one who gives. In his hand is the affair. So it's almost this, you know, this invisible hand type of thing, right? Um who else said that? Invisible hand? Someone, uh, someone else said that. Some Adam guy, <laughs> A yeah. <laughs> president, Adam Smith, not a president. Um, yeah, so Adam Smith's invisible hand theory. Yeah, um, he got were, it from the prophet. Okay. Well, the, well, there were Muslim <laughs> scholars that were that were you know that were talking about this idea of you know market forces and the yeah. unseen market forces before that, but well, well, before him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, yeah. So he says, uh, so I hope to meet Allah and I have not not wronged anyone in yeah. in their wealth or their persons. Um so the idea of risk is inherent uh, a lot of muslims make the mistake in thinking that it's not unless it's risk free it's not islamic that's actually the opposite if it is risk free it's probably haram <laughs> because you're you're guarantees you're guaranteeing a return without taking any liability and so your rewards are contingent upon the the risk that you take you know the 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 compensation is contingent on the liability that you hold um however uh you know a, a, a stock unit all right or a jo- you know a unit of, of of a joint stock company in the simplest terms is simply just a representation of your involvement in a partnership with other people so if a company divides itself up into a hundred different units and they sell you one of those units you now own one one hundredth of that company if you you know if, if they have a billion of those units and you're one billionth of that company. Um, and now that company now represents you in two ways. It represents you in the types of products that it makes. So it's business ventures and mm-hmm. it represents you in the way that it manages its internal finances. Yeah, And so as long as it is involved in halal uh, uh, business activities and is managing itself uh, ethically and Islamically, then it's permissible to invest in. Now, with um, uh, stock options, restricted stock units, and so forth, there's a a few things that we have to talk about. So, some companies are offering RSUs and stock options, so restricted stock units. They'll say, you know, we're going to give you, in lieu of cash, we're going to give you a certain number of shares in our company, but those are not not going to vest until a certain period. They're going to be locked up. You can't, you, know, you can't sell them or put them in your portfolio until a certain amount of time. Yeah. Those are sim- simply, you know, if you work for a company where you find out that maybe the, you know, the company's business activities are okay, but you know, the financials are kind of off the wall. You're not personally responsible for the financial management as an employee, but when you own that stock, you're now a part owner. So treat that's treat the RSUs basically same as cash if you find out that the stock is not sharia compliant. So all this stuff is
1: get, could get really really complicated for the average user.
0: Are there there's
1: a few um, uh, organizations websites we can check per to, that analyze each stock, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can check out zoya.finance. Well, zoya.finance full yeah. disclosure I'm the cherry advisor to zoya.finance. Yeah. Uh, so you're
1: literally going stock by stock and checking income statements for each company and doing an analysis to find out if this is Sheree compliant or not.
0: If I was in the 1990s, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, we've automated a lot of it. So okay. it's, it's, it's so we set the standards. We do we do do we do do physical uh, or you know um, uh, physical. Yeah, either automated or for someone physically so doing it. But
1: each one is individually.
0: Each one is individually. Yeah. So we have a data stream. Mm-hmm. We parse that data stream algorithmically, and then we go back and kind of randomly take a look at the the um, the conclusions that are brought up because of stocks. Because sometimes you know some. Um, some, some, some components in the data stream are not one-to-one with what's in our system. Mm-hmm. And we always want to make sure that we're giving the most accurate, uh, 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 and you're doing this quarterly, yearly, uh, daily. Wow. Yeah. The data comes in daily. Yeah. The data comes in daily. And, uh, um, so what if
1: one company one day is legit and then I check next week and
0: well, the data, the data comes in daily. The, the, um, the score is developed depending upon you know the standards so for example um you know the amount of debt might change from time to time mm-hmm, or from when mm-hmm. it's reported but we'll take the market cap of the company uh based on uh the last reported amount so that we're not getting these wild fluctuations okay because of you know a, 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 i don't want to go too deep too deep into like the how the, you how you calculate yeah mm-hmm. how you, you know calculation standards and all of that but Yeah, it can be, it can get a little sticky and you, you know, you can, you know, if you want to educate yourself on how to do those calculations in Excel, uh, that's very easy to do. Um, Well, I shouldn't say very easy to do, but the information is out there. Yeah. If you want to use Zoya, who, you know, I'm part of, you know, you can use that. There's another app called Islamically. Uh, They do something very similar. The standards are a little bit different, Uh, but you can go and check on those companies. But the idea
1: is to pick one and stick with it. You pick one standard and you stick with it, and you should be. Yeah,
0: you should be okay. You should be okay. It should be okay.
1: At least as long as you're trying your best, which is I mean, another you, important. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to try, and you know it's it's very important to be uh, to be intentional yeah. about these types of things, and not just oh, I looked at this app, it said it's halal. I looked at that app, it said it's haram. I'm going to go with one that's halal because. You know, it's a good deal. It's coming up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I actually remember something you said about that. I I I think it may have been on one of your YouTube videos. You were talking about Zakat and you were saying that when you pay your Zakat, you need to be intentional with it and you need to do the right calculation. Because a lot of people, you know, I'm myself included. Maybe I'm not like looking too closely, but I'm going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm going to pay this much because I know I'm overpaying here." Mm. Which is okay, I guess. But you don't go pray salat al and you're like, "Well, I'm just going to pray 5 rakas, you know, just to No, it's 4, right? You right. pray 4 because you need to that's what it is. So, you know, I think that point about being intentional about your finances is very important. It forces you to kind of um uh, have have a grasp uh on on your situation. Yeah,
0: no uh, know exactly what you owe, what you own. You know what, what you're this, going yeah. to be doing with it. And then if you want to do more, then you can always This is do my more.
1: thought and this is my extra. You have to, you should know that. I yeah, think yeah.
0: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So so back to the question about you know, like restricted <coughs> stock units. Um, if it's given to you as part of your compensation package and you find out that the company is out of compliance, then when you receive them, sell them savings. Okay. The same as cash. You're basically just taking uh something that was supposed to, was going to be given to you in cash and was given to you in in mm-hmm. you know in that mm-hmm. If it's uh, if it's stock options, if the company is permissible, then you know you can exercise those stock options, buy them at a discount, and then um, and then profit from that. If it's not, then you know you want to go and evaluate the compliance of the company yeah. before you do that.
2: Yeah, that's actually that's really important because you hear especially now because you have apps like Robinhood or whatever Acorn and all these other things, so younger people can start investing, right? What they don't realize is they find out okay stocks are how not, it's fine like I'm just a part owner of a business that's yeah. how it all works, but then they'll say like oh have you heard like aircrafts are going to be on up and up now because airlines were all done for a year so they buy them now buy them now but then you look at their their uh, ratings and it's like they're all in debt mm-hmm. that's not compliant first of all it's not even a good investment <laughs> right they make a lot that's of a,
0: revenue off of alcohol people don't realize e- that e- exactly so they're, really? they just buy 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 yeah, international airlines yeah wow
2: yeah so people don't realize they think well stocks are hanad, they don't. They don't think the play by play airplanes are haram. What are you what, what are You tell me airplanes aren't haram. Like I'm right. flying. Why is that haram? Right. So You'd I think that's drop, drop a very in. important yeah. aspect of intentionality looking at yeah. each one individually. It's
0: like saying, well, you know, wheat wheat is halal. Water is halal. <laughs> hops is halal. Yeast is halal. Put them all together. <laughs> yeah. Beer is halal. <laughs> Makes sense, you know. Just cut that part out
2: please. <laughs> <And> part- <laughs> <laughs>
0: But that's not the case, right? So the idea is Twitter. Here we come. <laughs> the, the idea is that the whole is not the sum of its parts. Yeah. Um. So it can yeah. completely different. You know, it can be completely different. Yeah. Uh. Interestingly enough, again, this is like another thing. It's a mathematical principle, right? That but Muslim scholars of fiqh have talked about it. They call it, they call it قاعدة al Farq, You know that the, the 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 whole is not the sum of its parts, and how that affects legality and stuff like that nerdy asides but anyway <laughs> okay
1: i think that kind of rounds out the the questions for the young professional yeah. working or did you have one more
2: i have one well i don't know maybe this is the same general question you might have uh which will lead probably to your question i know what you're thinking what but okay. uh, let's, uh, let's first we need to define a term and then we can probably get to the homes which i'm gonna assume you're gonna ask about yeah, yeah but yeah. What So there's this thing called riba in Islam, yeah. this thing of money coming out of nowhere. or It's just interest, right? I hear if, if I see a percentage, they say $10, 2% interest, haram. Never going to touch this again. Credit cards, cashback, haram. Anything with money to money, haram. Is that how riba works? Is that the definition of interest or usury? Is that just anywhere I see that word, avoid?
0: Uh, so it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Oh, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, interest is an accounting term, and it means anything that's above and beyond capital, um, and that could be a profit from uh, a legitimate uh, a business agreement. It could be money that's paid on top of a loan. Um, both, are consider, capital, both are considered considered capital. Both of the considered amounts above cap- capital. So it's not true that every every time you see the word interest, that it's that it equates to riba. Most of the time, however, so I don't want anybody to like take this like football and run right. with it, right? It's most of the time you will, but for example, you might see a, a car lease mm-hmm. and it'll say interest rate and you're not paying any interest whatsoever uh, as far as you know m- more cash for the cash you contributed. Yes. Now you put a down payment, you got the car, they're charging you daily a rate for the use of that car. That's where that comes into, um, excuse me. Um, Whereas, you know, if you go and get a working capital loan from a bank, yeah, you're taking money and then you're going to have to pay back that principal and more money on top of it. So it's money for money.
1: So this is the difference: is in the first scenario. It's car for money. You got the car mm-hmm. and you're paying for it more over a longer period of time. That's Whereas right. with the bank, you you received money and you're paying back money. money. And they're making right. money on the money. So, so it's money for money. That's let's, use, the, let's
2: use an example. I'm going to sell you this water bottle. There's two ways I could sell it to you. I could say, Joe, today, $5. Okay. Or, you know, you say, I don't have $5, but I'm getting paid on Friday. Say, so, all right, you want it by Friday? I can give it to you today, but you're going to pay me $20 on Friday. Okay. Is that, is that, riba? am I increasing money out of nowhere or is that permissible?
0: No, it's permissible because okay. you're taking into consideration the time value or the value of the time that you're get, you're extending to me to be able to pay yeah. over that time. But I'm
2: also giving you a fixed amount, which is probably the thing.
0: However, the one, like one caveat here is that if we walk away, we have to walk away agreeing to one price. Okay, perfect. If we walk away agreeing to two prices, where you say, hey, it's $5 today, it's $20 by the end of the week, is it, did yeah. you say $20? It's a very expensive bottle of water. California, uh, we're in a drought. <laughs> Yeah, if we walk away with two prices, you are obliged to give me the lower price at all times. Otherwise, the oh. m- the amount that you take is a jibout.
2: Very interesting. Okay, Mashallah. Now, people might say, "When you, what's the difference? I'm getting a home or whatever. Let's not use a home because that's more new. Well,
1: that's, more. yeah, that's kind of
2: what I. Well, which we'll get to. But let's say I'm getting, I'm buying this camera from Om right now. And I'm buying it. I can buy it from Om, and he's going to sell it to me for $100 in a week. Or I go to this store. The store says we, need, we can give you this camera for ten dollars today, and say no, I need it by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. $100. And I'm going a hundred dollars, and they they do a calculation. They we're gonna do two percent this time. Okay, well by the end of the week it's gonna equal a hundred dollars. And is that the same thing, or is that wonderful or is that actually well, where did you day? get the money from? Well,
0: it depends. It depends highly on do they own the camera or not. Okay. All right. So if they're the if, camera store owns the camera. Yeah. So if the camera sto- store owns a camera.
1: But they're working with a bank to finance the purchase. So they get paid. Well, there's then,
0: a, there's a there's a couple of different levels to yeah, that. Yeah. Right. So if the camera store owns a camera and they they calculate it and they say, yeah, this is this is the uptick on, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the price that we're going to have to see to be able to extend credit to you for you to be able to walk out of it here with mm-hmm. with it today and pay us over time there's no problem they're the owners of that
2: that's it's kind of like a car too i think people don't realize if you just straight up buy a car from toyota from mm-hmm. toyota finance yeah. or honda from honda finance that's the same thing as exactly. they're giving you a car just they're funding it themselves yeah
0: and the reason why they create uh they create things like toyota finance or honda finance or whatever it's it, it's not because they necessarily want to be financing people it's because they want to be able to get the tax breaks oh. so they actually if they can if they can create oh, a business and
1: they have debt
0: yeah if they create a business and it's a debt instrument then not only did they get to the profit off of it but they also get to write it off so they're writing off expenses as a manufacturer they're writing off in expenses as a dealer they're writing off expenses as a financing arm and so they see more of the profit and give you a better price so they're
1: giving me 0% but in reality they just got a fat tax write off
0: of yeah, yeah absolutely Oh, even I thought if they're it, just trying to be nice, Man, No, no one's <laughs> nice. Even even if it's not 0%, they're still they're still making, you know, yeah. and they're giving you a better a better deal and they're selling you something that they own. Now this is different than say if I go to if I go to Toyota and I want to buy it and I go to my local credit union or yeah. bank and I get money from them. So now I've borrowed money with an interest rate that I'm paying back to them. That's now, where's the, where does the car come in? The car, a lien is put on the car or the home, right? And essentially, the the uh, the creditor, the lender says, look, you're going to pay me back my money. If you don't pay me back my money, then I'm going to come and take your home or your car whatever is sell it and then get my money back. Okay. so that's the difference between the two.
2: But someone might say, and I've heard this argument, how about if those prices are exactly the same? If I if the bank, I take the money from the bank or I take the money from Toyota Finance, like at the end of the day, I'm still going to pay twenty five thousand for my Camry. Why is it different? I'm paying the, the same liabil- amount.
0: The liabilities are different. The liabilities and the and and the amount of equity and the way that that car might be repossessed is completely different. Mm-hmm. All
2: right. So th- that's one important aspect. I think one check for He put it this way, which I think really like put in perspective for me. He said, "Yeah, you're right. You know, you as an individual paid exactly the same amount, same time, same time for everything. But let's say the babe you conceive a child the day before your nikah, the day after your nikah." The due date probably might end up the exact same day. Baby, and you're both married nine months later. Who's going to know the difference? Mm. But yeah, so it's a moral moral dimension. Exactly. All right. So now we're helping, (laughs) we're slowly defining riba, and it's not just interest, but typically in America it is. And how you finance things matters. There's barakah, it could be the same amount. And uh, last question, because it's also one I've gotten about riba. uh, Well, if you're dealing with inflation rates, money inherently has riba in it. So mm-hmm. what, what's the big deal? Like, if I take a yeah, loan, don't take the, a loan. We're it's, off the gold standard. So, like, my money, money is changing percentages every year anyway. I don't spend it; it's going to lose value.
0: So, I might if I pull out a loan. What? Who cares? The question. The, the The question is not if that's a reality. That's always a reality, even with gold. So is gold not inflationary? No, it is. It just has a slower a slower rate of inflation, a slower rate of change than fiat currencies. But yeah. the
1: the. Before we got off the gold standard, you know, the price of gold was mainly fixed until they found more gold. Until they
0: found more gold. Right. That's kind of well.
1: Or am I or my or is my knowledge of history not right?
0: So there's a there's a few things. There's a few things there. Number one is that, yes, the 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 amount of gold was fixed, but there was what was called representative currencies. Yes. Uh, they were representative of gold. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of fraud and a lot of um, uh, deception, as even with even with gold, the books of the fuqaha are full of, you know, what do you do with a denier and maksusha? You know, what do you do with fraudulent denier where lead was put inside of them or the edges were carved off so that the people could just slightly devalue it? You know, um, so the issue really has to do with you know how is the money supply managed? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a big problem of, you know, just injecting money into the uh, uh, printing dollars and putting it into the money supply. Um, and there's a lot more that can be can be said about that. But in the in, in, in we talk, but when we're talking about a personal finance perspective, gotcha. Somebody come and says, said, can come and say, well, yeah, sure. Because of inflation, because of interest rates, you know, I'm being affected. Therefore, I'm going to go and do this. Well, you're not the only person affected. <clears throat> you know, everybody's being affected by inflation. So to use that as an excuse for, well, I'm just going to go ahead and take out loans, it doesn't necessarily have a bearing on your personal decision to go into debt mm. and to give up more of the value and worth that you have to other people that, that really, that those are two disparate you know, topics.
1: Okay. Well, let's get to the main crux of why I wanted to have you here. <laughs> I did not know about this. <laughs>
2: I thought you just wanted to get to know you, meet you
1: as that a what person I too. I don't know, uh, individual. That's
2: all right. Go ahead on. Yeah.
1: So, I'm a civil engineer. Okay. I understand a little bit about development. I understand how how to put things up off the ground, right? Okay. And I'm of average intelligence. Okay. So, my wife and I, we can each go and get two first time homeowner loans. We can go out to the Midwest. We can get two homes, right? Three hundred K each, putting on three percent, which is manageable. Mm-hmm. And then we can rent them out and generate some passive income. Sure. Right. And then when we get enough passive income, we can use that, build up another 10 percent, get another one and keep doing that and doing that until we built up a real estate portfolio. It was about a few million bucks and I can quit my job. I could do this full time. OK. And there's a fatwa from Dar al-Ifta that says, Mu'amalat halal. you know, it's all it's all good. And I'm just getting a loan from a bank mm-hmm. and I'm leveraging the home against it. Maybe I have an LLC at this point, and it's not my name anymore. It's an LLC. It's a business entity. I'm my own person. That's a business entity. Uh, maybe I have a, a non-Muslim business partner, and the loan's in his name. It's the, the interest is not affecting me. Why can't I just do that? It's so oddly specific. It's not oddly <laughs> specific. No, 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 because I've been thinking about this for <laughs> such a long time. I was like, man, because of COVID, right? COVID, right. working home from COVID, I was like, I cannot go back to the office. So
0: first of all, I, want you, to, a, I want you to send me that specific katoa because it might be newer than the one that I've read. Um, The one that I've read uh, was very much specific to the country that it was issued in and very much specific to the banking system in that country. So this is, okay. And and very much specific to the Islamic banks of that country, if I recall. Okay. Uh, Meaning that the business activities of of an Islamic bank uh, that are earning halal earnings and distributing that to uh, account holders is going to be very different than a conventional bank that is loaning an interest and then distributing that to its account holders
1: but aren't isn't isn't the global financial system all tied together and that, now? That, that,
0: that's not that's not the not that's not, not the case. when you're talking about the, the the earnings of an individual company right okay. yes there are there, there are there you know the global financial uh, system is tied together
1: but even right? if I go to an Islamic bank in whichever country and I take out a loan for a house, um, they're still going to tag on some interest
0: on there, right? Again, that has to do with how the, the contract is structured and what okay. the liabilities are created. Are they, are they simply buying a house for you and selling it to you at as, a, as a markup? Like we were talking about with the cameras and the, and, mm-hmm. and the cars. Or are they loaning you the money, right? And then using the house as collateral. So it's two different things. The liabilities are, are, are completely different. In one, you are liable for the money which is why you have a mortgage and you have a deed, right? So even if that even if that home burns down, you know, is taken in a legal settlement, is, you know, a quick claim deed is written to your spouse because of a divorce or something like that. If your name is still on the mortgage, you still owe that money. You're still legally liable for that money. So your liability is money for money. It is not. For you know to to surrender the house, the hara- the house is only surrendered uh, as collateral when they can't co- collect financial. And that's a
2: typical loan. This is what that's, we're describing. That, and question. that's typical.
0: And that's that typical. is typical.
1: That's
2: and we wouldn't we we should not
0: strive for these type of loans. We should not strive for that. And I mean that's a whole other conversation about like necessities and all of that kind of stuff. And then some states do it a little bit differently. And this is one of the contentions that I think is so.
1: That's why you're not always able to give a blanket answer. Because ex-
0: exactly. Because the mortgage industry. And the mortgage system in every country and in the United States, in every state, and sometimes even in different counties, is, is done differently. Is, it works differently. Um, so to say that, you know, I have this fatwa from this area of the world, like I have a mortgage fatwa from, let's say, South Africa, would be wholly unapplicable to what's going on in the United States. People say, well, there's an option in Canada now that they're doing that. Okay, well, that option is, is in Canada because their regulatory system allows for certain things that allow them to do that might not be pretty. this is why even with like say quote-unquote islamic mortgage providers and i have a lot of uh critique you know for islamic mortgage providers people are like well if they're really providing mortgages why aren't they in my state you know they just don't want muslims to, no they they're not licensed they can't operate in your state mm-hmm. because they're not licensed to because they don't meet certain uh certain things so the point being is that but
1: don't they just go get the money
0: from the government not always. Some of them have private investors. Some use some use Fannie and Freddie. Yes. Some use uh, 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 private. So, why is it okay for
1: them and not okay for me?
0: That is a huge question, and that's a question that I often bring up as well. Why is there a why is there a carve out for for companies that are going to upcharge, but for yeah. me, if I were to try to get that wholesale rate, which generally you can't do, but there there's are some ways now because of technology. Why is that? that that's a whole another. That's a whole another discussion. As far as uh, you know, I mean, right now
1: it's free for them, some in some cases.
0: Almost. Almost, yeah. Almost and they're gonna free. charge me
1: three points. Like well, yeah. why,
0: why should I? Almost. Okay. They're intermediary.
1: Yeah, that's uh Okay. So there is no blanket answer. There is no blanket
0: answer. No. Um, so
1: even that fatwa that was in the nineties about like, oh, you can have one loan for one home. I remember there was something about that.
0: Well, that was that was to say that look, you guys in the United States and the West, you don't have uh, viable alternatives uh, having a home is 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 necessary for a stable lifestyle Islam recognizes the necessity of stability in life mm-hmm. and therefore because of this necessity you can go and buy a home even if it's a conventional mortgage so that that's what is out there uh, I think for some people that that does wholly apply to their so, lives so
2: can you help us define what's a necessity like all my friends are buying a home can I buy a home right. so <laughs> a
0: necessity is something that so there's there, there's there's a certain level so there's a level of necessity which means that you're going to risk life or limb or long or long term long term damage yes. you know then a, a a constant need what they call it hajj al right or al hajj al mulha this is a need which if not met will eventually lead to the to a state of necessity um but in its individual in in each individual instance is not a necessity in and of itself right so yes i can live day to day without having a home right but not having a home that i own over a period of a year five years 10 years 20 years will significantly disadvantage me right and yes and, and bring about harm so that's the argument that many of the scholars were saying that they, they said, well, we're just going to use the raw necessity because it's easier concept to present to people, right? In reality, we're looking at instead of looking at you owning a home for the month of July, we're talking about 10, you know, 20 years. 10, 20 years. That's going to s- significantly disadvantage you. That's why they said, okay, if it's for your first home and this is the case, buy it. You have a dispensation to do so. If it's for, um, If it's for an investment property, another property, so on and so forth, then don't because that is there's not a, a constant need. That's like a, an accessory. It's a nice, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing to have, but it's not something. that you. Gonna, well, I feel some, like I feel okay.
1: like getting out of the corporate, you
0: know, rat race is a necessity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <like> after
1: <laughs> after doing, you know, after uh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. We'll OK. Um, people aren't
0: going to see my my orange spray, spray tan. <laughs> we'll
1: VFX it in.
0: <laughs> uh, so so I I think I think in the, the 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 mortgage area, there's a lot that can be said. Okay, um, in the financial you know in, in, in the financial world, there's a lot to be said. You know, and I'm not here to say. Uh, one thing that I'm very big on is is people. You know, I tell anybody that wants to buy a mortgage, there's three things that you need to understand. Number one, does this financial decision make sense for me and my family? Sometimes it is not the best decision to buy a home. It doesn't matter if you're doing it Islamically or conventionally. A lot of people who are renting don't realize the costs mm-hmm. that go into owning a home. So does it actually, you know, make financial sense? Um, or I would say does it actually provide stability for my family? Number two, does it make financial sense? Yeah. Am I being taken advantage of just because I'm a Muslim? You know? Uh, I really think that Islamic mortgage companies uh, need to be pressed, and and I, and I say this without any kind of rancor, uh, any kind of hatred, or or trying to down mm-hmm. on them. But if you want our money as a community, you need to tell us why. You can't, you know, you can't be charging me like three points above market. Yeah. And say it's because you're a Muslim.
1: Oh, we got some fees or whatever, and you're like, what? What does it, all this or, mean? Or, yeah. or you
0: get, or you get to. I've heard this happen several times. Everything's, you know, everything's kosher, you get the signing and they're like, oh, there's an extra six thousand dollars of fees that you're gonna have to pay. You know, I've seen people have to walk away from deals or forced to like scrounge up money and, and, and get it. So, you know, it's impossible for something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made halal to be more detrimental than that that which he made haram. Right? So nobody can come and say cocaine is halal. Why? Well, it's not mentioned in the Quran right well, it's more harmful than the alcohol that he, the the wine that he actually mentioned the haram therefore it's it, it's haram as well mm-hmm. right um, So, are there any
1: of these muslim uh, uh, financing companies or mortgage companies that you would recommend
0: or i, I don't recommend publicly any company and the reason being oh, okay. is because i
1: you're not on any board for any of them i'm these not on
0: any board for any of the mortgage companies no okay just and zoya and I'm a, zoya and that's just a, a screening research tool yeah. okay Uh, We don't even do investments or anything like that. You don't, you're not not managing any funds. Not managing any funds. No, it's just data. And one of the reasons why I like to keep it like that is because I can speak independently about these things without saying that I'm invested in seeing one of them. Now, some of them operate better than others. Um, And and that's like a whole other conversation. Um, But, you know, home ownership is important. Um, And I think you guys have, very unique circumstances here in california that probably none of us in the rest of the nation maybe not well maybe maybe east, massachusetts yeah east coast yeah maybe yeah. massachusetts but but you know california has uh you know a market which is just a million dollars for a fixer-upper <laughs> and, like, the, that's and the problem that's is
1: not- what you were talking about 10 years down the line okay maybe i can buy this million dollar home now but 10 years based on market, it's gonna go up. If you are in that same apartment, you're in over 10 years, you could be paying double rent. Absolutely. And you will most likely not be making double salary. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. not, that's, so, you know, you project that out. You're like, I'm either gonna have to move away from my family, from my community, or do I buy this home? And I think at that point, maybe that that's like, okay.
0: And people have actually called me and said, yeah, man, I'm ready to like move out of California if it means that you know, if, if I can't buy a home, um, this is why I always encourage people to understand that fatwa is an individual answer. Yeah, the idea of like general public fatwas, group fatwas. This is very new, even in you know Islamic Islamic history. Um, fatwa has always been a an answer to a, an, an individual's conundrum about uh, mm-hmm. the Sharia, the, the the permissibility of something.
1: So people, is that you give personal? If that was if I I,
0: ske- I do if they if they schedule with me and okay. we go over all of the details and I'll tell them based on their circumstances what I think is viable for them. Okay. Um, there was another point. And you
1: do that on your website, right? Just I'm, so for the yeah, JoeBradford.net. JoeBradford.net. Okay, yeah.
0: We'll put the links in the description. Awesome. So there's three things. So it's you know does this provide stability to my family? Number two, does it make financial sense? Mm-hmm. Number three, am I willing to stand in front of a law with the decision that I've made? Too many people want, you know, uh, they want to show up on the day of judgment and be like, hold on, Uh, I got Joe here and I'm going to put him, he's going to answer. I'm going to run as far and as fast away from you as I can on the day of judgment. I'm not going to stand in front of a law for anybody but myself. So you have to be confident. And that means that you have to educate yourself. You have to do your due diligence. And then if you make a decision and you go with a conventional mortgage, then be confident in that decision. I'm not saying that you have to announce it to everyone. I'm not saying that you're, I'm not saying that you're, I'm not even saying that you're doing something that is unequivocally haram. I don't say that Mm. because, because your personal circumstances may be different than the next Mm. person's. This is a problem where we equate all of our personal circumstances with each other's. And that's just not the case. Um, but, uh, it's kind of like discussions of like medical marijuana and stuff like that now. But like, well, you know, it works for some people and therefore everybody should know if a person has a quantifiable need for it. That's different than a person that's like.
1: I'm stressed out.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm stressed out, doc. Work. I need, I need <laughs> a little bit of back pain. I got, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stressed out. My back hurts. You know, I've just been so depressed. Well, what are you depressed for? You know, well, I haven't been able to get a uh, prescription for marijuana. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're caught in this catch 22. So, you know, so number one, um, does it provide stability for my family? Number two. Does it, um, d- does it make financial sense? Number three, am I willing to stand in front of a law? And I think that's the big decision. One. I think this is the big one. A of lot of people struggle with this. You know, I tell people, hey, if it's going to give you peace of mind to go out and use from an Islamic provider, even if you pay more, then go and get that peace of mind. there be Shall there be blessings in that decision. Yes, even, inshallah you know. ta'ala, there will. And and you know what? If your, if your situation necessitates that you, that you use something else, then you're doing a service to your family. Uh, And so you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like, you know, I'm condemned to the hellfire because I've gone. You've gone through the process of searching for what's right.
2: And I think that's the biggest difference that that mentality is different. Someone is like, you know, who cares? Like it's it's a loan, like all their loans. I'm going to get a house and like I'm a young guy and I want to get my house now. I'm not paying rent. I'm going to own my place. Right. I suppose someone's like struggling with it. thinking like, man, I, I I just can't afford it. Like I cannot put down whatever they need as my down payment for mm-hmm. the summit loan, and like I have five, four kids. Like there's just no way or else to go. That's such a different mentality when they're pulling out this loan. Well, and I, I, I think about e, it.
0: I think you make a good point, and I think even uh, even just this, not it's not just about the circumstances, but it is very much about the mental process. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wa hadith the Prophet ﷺ said, sin is what shakes around in your chest and you're afraid of people finding out about. It. So the fact that you're troubled about something is a very good sign that you are concerned for your faith, you're concerned for your akhirah, and that should always be a concern. So like I tell people, we were talking about the 401ks, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody says, well, I've got this situation where like, part of my portfolio they forced me to put it into fixed income and the rest of it i can choose something that was halal but should i just pull it all out and not get anything you know what what should i do next year next year set a date for yourself reevaluate you should always have this concern for your dean you should always have this concern for your akhirah so even when you are in less than optimal mm-hmm. uh uh situations you should always you know uh, in, in classical discussions, they talk about, you know, a person who is, you know, cut off in the desert and their horse dies and they have to, like, drink the blood of the horse and, like, take the meat of the horse. Does that mean that, like, I carry the meat as, you know, and, and, and the blood as far as I can and just eat, eat and drink off of that like it's nothing, even though I've passed by a, a well of water, even though. No. no, you always have to reassess your situation. And so... Interestingly enough, reassessing your situation is a very core principle of personal finance. You always want to go and check your finances quarterly, or at least by yearly, or please, for the sake of a lot, at least once a year, go and the review. Yeah, yeah, you have to <laughs> go and review all of your stuff. And it, and and you know, and since this podcast is focused on young men, I think it's very important for young men, especially those who, for example, because of their financial troubles. Uh, are stru- they they might feel that they're struggling to start a family support their parents right in their old age uh, and generally just kind of keep up with everything yes. plus maintain the idea of qawama that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, you know bestowed upon them the idea of being the, the the maintainers of their wives and of their families it's very important to be diligent about this stuff early on a lot of guys run on autopilot they don't care about it and then when it gets too late, they're either steeped in debt, steeped in depression, or both, or both, and they're going through problems with you know, uh, you know the the now they're they're seeing you know their their, their, their house and half their wealth go through with a divorce because all of the problems have kind of led mm. to unhappiness mm. and all of that. Um, so you know, having this stuff right helps so much in the future. With everything from family to you know to nuclear family, parents, siblings, to creating your own family, getting married, having kids, you know to providing in the future. I mean, I get parents that come to me all the time. They're like, "My kids want to go to college. Like, what options do I have for them?" Well, you can look into this, but how old is your child? You know, seventeen. Uh, not much that you can do now. You know that 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 they're seventeen years old. It's different when they're seven. Versus 17. Mm -hmm. So the earlier that you start as a young man investing, saving, um, doing this systematically, and understanding your finances, you are going to be better off to get married, to get better jobs, to stand up for your responsibilities. And I think that this is one thing that's kind of missing in society. There, it's not about saying that, no, women shouldn't work or that there's... We're not talking about that. We're talking about men. This is regardless of whether... Whatever your wife is doing, these are... You have to this, have... This these is are, a man. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, your wife might want to have a child and say, you know what? And her right Islamically is, I'm going to stay home and raise these kids. I'm not going to work. And, mm-hmm. and, and guys who are kind of inculcated... It's been inculcated into them, just look for a girl that's going to pay 50-50. Well, that's a roommate. That's not That's not a spouse. And if you can't maintain a lifestyle without your spouse's income, then it's going to be, be, be very, very bad. difficult for very you. True. When she wants to say no, you know what? I'm going to be a mother for a while, uh, and uh, and and so, you know, I just wanted to kind of like wrap that up with a yes. bow because it's important. You know, we're not just talking about like random financial, you know, things. When, when we, when we, when we refer to all of this, there is a higher purpose behind it. Yeah. And that higher purpose is fulfilling your role as a man in society and in your family. Yeah.
1: And this doesn't matter if, Oh, cause I, there's a trend now where there's stay at home dads, right? That kind of thing. So, um, you know, regardless of whether your wife is working or not, she may be a doctor and you are whatever you need to be working because that is your dignity as a man. I can tell you, I can
0: tell you even, you know, if you look into some studies, psychological studies about it, they're they're, there, that the the fact that you don't work and don't provide will have an effect on your relationship with your wife. Yeah. Women need to be able to provide their husbands the latitude to provide for them. It is something that is inherent to the nature of men. Men need to be able to provide for their families. It's something that's inherent to the nature of men. Uh, and we need to we, we need to understand that there is that balance there that's not saying that that is the only thing that can happen but it's right? a very
1: important but it's a very and important and it should thing. go into when you evaluate a potential
0: a spouse and there should, yeah and there should be an you know, understanding your, about that
1: yeah what is your typical living situation if 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 she comes from a very well off family and she expects to be maintained like that and you which is her right which is her right mm-hmm. yeah uh, you're not going to survive off love
0: or if she you know or or, or if <laughs> Or if you are earning much less or not earning much at all, mm-hmm. um, you know, women have to be understanding as well. There were some of the companions of the Prophet that were poor, and their wives were wealthy. Ibn Mas'ud. Mm. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud was poor to the point that his wife Zainab went to the Prophet okay. and she said, "You know, I have extra money. I want to go and give it away in sadaqah." Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud is saying, "Like, I should be spending it on my kids and the family. Like, which in, he, in the process, said mm. that's the best sadaqah for you." Mm. Meaning it's not it's not obligatory for a woman to spend on her family. I actually
1: didn't know I didn't know that about Ibn Mas'ud.
0: Yeah, he was very poor. Actually, there's another hadith where one year he was so poor that she said, like, can I give him my zakah? And and the Prophet ﷺ said <laughs> yes. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Allah. But no is, Allah Islam is so beautiful. she was a businesswoman in Medina. She actually made like handmade goods and things like that, would sell them in the marketplace after Jummah Right? What? Yeah. So my, my point in mentioning that is to say that if a man and a woman are in that situation, they need to have a under an understanding.
1: But Ibn Mas'ud still worked. He still was out there trying to grind, right? I'm assuming. He wasn't just like
0: Abdullah Mas'ud was very involved with uh with uh knowledge and teaching, but he wasn't necessarily grinding, making you know, making he, we, money, as far he, as as far as I recall. No. These
1: so, they weren't getting stipends, they weren't getting money from any no? No.
0: No stipends. I, I I haven't heard of that. No, I was I, mean, I was just assuming. Yeah, my my, my point in that and that is to say is that even somebody might say, well, you guys are talking about you know this, but my situation does okay. Your situa- situation doesn't provide for that, but that means that you have to have a very open, honest discussion with your spouse about what your situation is. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to fall into problems, and so and and even in then, there's still a certain level of deference and respect that both spouses have to show to each other but for most young men i find that they are in you know financial disarray uh and then they complain well i can't get married i can't move out of my parents house i can't do this i can't do that it's because you haven't gotten your own stuff together like get your situation together everything else will fall in line And if you can do that the earlier that you can do that i remember i was running some numbers I think I even put it in like a highlight on my Instagram. Yeah, I've
1: been seeing it. Like if you put this much money at this age and you do it over this amount of years, you can have this like um, millions of dollars. Yeah, like if if you're like
0: 22 and you're putting like $50 a week, you know, you just any any leftover cash in your account at the end of the end of the week, you just sweep it into an investment account Mm -hmm. and just invest that over and over again. Then by the time, you know, you're in your 40s, you're going to have maybe, you know, upwards of three quarters of a million dollars. By the time you retire at 65, you might have like $2 million. And this is just from not spending the money that's left over in and your And what kind account. of funds are? Like, uh, mut- just putting it into amount of mutual funds. If you just put amount of mutual growth, which has like an average of 12%, even if you went low, like some people criticize me for you using that. Um, but amount of mutual growth has always.
1: someone. I just saw a chart. Actually, someone put out the amount of mutual fund and I think the Wahid Fund, mm-hmm. They outperformed the S&P.
0: Yeah, they they always have. They outperformed all of the Vanguard funds that they were based on as well. Because a, That's what a well-capitalized company is the best hedge against uh, volatility and inflation. And so when you invest in companies that do not uh, overextend themselves with interest-bearing debt, uh, interest-bearing securities, or take on debt, um, but they're making money from the money that they have, uh, and managing it properly, they will have that barakah in, in, in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the point being is that, you know, invest and don't think that you're gonna get anything less. You're actually gonna get more if you share a compliant funds. But it's more, more and you know, people like the, I'm picking stocks on Robinhood, I made this, I made that. But if you go- Buy you the look dip, at,
1: diamond hands. Yeah, like if that. you look at total
0: <laughs> return, total return is probably gonna be in at a negative, loss, yep. you know? But if you just consistently putting money into these funds, you're going to continuously see you know and I can guarantee you you'll see it on the charts the moment you get over $10,000 in an investment account you will automatically see an up you know an uptick in the way that you're earning and every increment after that you're going to start to see more and more so the more the you know the more the snowball rolls rolls the the mm-hmm. bigger it gets and and that's why starting early on these types of things is so so important you know and not, and, and as a, as a young man, taking your position seriously, you want people to take you seriously. You want your parents to take you seriously. You want your future spouse to take you seriously. You have to take your life seriously. And if you don't, you're going to end up with somebody who's not serious and it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a whole other yeah. set of problems. Yeah. So,
2: so, last, last thing, um, about this investment thing, cause this is another thought I had and it's come up before. Do we have another out for Bitcoin? Or no, no, Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> not Bitcoin, not Bitcoin. <laughs> here that could be a whole nother when you come back to socal inshallah <laughs> your risk is written god you know we know in hadith we know from many things that when i before i'm even born how much i will earn in my life is preordained. Mm-hmm. so i invest like i'm gonna get that money one day anyway right why so what, why go to work
0: why but, <laughs> but how are you going to get it that's uh, the
2: question written. Sure. Uh, it's written if it's it, written i'm gonna find it on the floor
0: Sure, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it on the floor, or you'll you'll be given, you know, you'll be given the like thereof of of uh, of, of baraka or some sin averted, you know, in this life. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, dollar, dollar for dollar. dollar, that's what's mm, going to come oh, to you. Okay. Um, the Prophet he said, saying. A soul will not die until it has lived out its lifespan and and accumulated all of its wealth." so be mindful of Allah be fearful of Allah and seek beautifully because what's with Allah will not be gained through his his disobedience so yeah you can go and, and do nothing right and end up with relatively nothing you can go and 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 disobey Allah and earning that and earn everything in the dunya but have nothing in the akhirah. or you can go and obey Allah and have everything in the dunya as well as the akhirah. It has to do with your choice. How, how that risk is distributed to you has has to do with the choice the a B choices that you make along the path. Mm-hmm. Those a B choices were set out for you by Allah, right? So he knows what is, what will be and what, what could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therefore when you choose a and then now you've got another choice of a and B and you choose B, all of that was determined as possible for you. Yes. Now you never will it or you never will anything except that Allah has willed it because you were put into this creation. But you're also expected to do what is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yes, that risk subhanahu will come to you. How do you want it to com- come to you? Do you want it to come to you with the stress and the harm and the, and, 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 and the hurt and the problems? Do you want it to come to you with the peace of mind and the safety and, s- and security? That's mm. it. That's uh, how, how do you want, you know, uh, uh, what's the verse? verse? Um, uh, نجدين. نجدين. Right. So, and we have guided man to the two steep inclines. Mm. Why does Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talk about two steep inclines? Most scholars of Tafsir said this is the idea of khair and shar, good and evil, right? Righteousness and disobedience. Both of them are steep. Both of them take effort. Which of them is the best for you? You have to decide where you put your energy. You put your energy into righteousness, you're gonna have, you know, right, you know, r- righteous results, uh, and beneficial results. You put your, you put it into disobedience, you might get some of that in this life, right? But in the next life, you you you're gonna miss out.
2: Mm-hmm. The actually the hadith, maybe this will motivate someone. I'll end it on this, that motivated me to actually start investing. We were Sheikh Jibril Al He was talking about the hadith of the three men who get stuck in a cave. Uh And each of them expresses something that they did exclusively for the sake of God. And by each of them expressing it, the rock moves, boulder moves until they can all get free. First one, um, fed his parents when his children were hungry. Second one, avoided Zina when it was as tempting as possible. Then the third guy, he was, I think they're different but one of them is, he was supposed to pay his workers, but one of them left before getting paid. Mm-hmm. So he took the money he was supposed to owe him and started investing it. Right. So the guy comes back one day and says, "Where's my money?" He says, "Oh yeah, this whole flock and herd, this is all yours." Yeah, he's everything like, in this is value. Yeah. He he's like, "Don't mess with me." He said, "No, really, I invested it. It's all yours." So the guy took it all and went. He said, "You know, if I did this for you. you opened the, the door, and he opened it, and they went out." Yeah. So one of the lessons being like, if you have money, invest it. So yeah, absolutely. I'll Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. khair on Sheikh Joe. Shalom, you're Sheik back jo. in SoCal. I know there's many more topics to discuss with you. We'll see, uh zakat, whatever else. But
0: definitely. Definitely. Thank you I so much. Our, I enjoyed our discussion. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Okay,
1: okay. And with that, you know, we'll say uh, thank you, Sheikh Joe, for taking time right before your flight to uh, sit with us in the studio today. My pleasure. Uh, Inshallah, I hope all the listeners benefited. Um, sure. And with that, this is Amr Mabrook with the Prophetic Mentality Podcast signing off. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>